I I could see his hands though. <laughs> I mean, he just does have gloves. Johnny Depp has fingers. Yeah, but like, okay, the inventor is the prime antagonist of the movie. He just wanted a buddy. No, 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 no. He didn't mean to be the prime antagonist of the movie. He didn't mean to be the bad guy. He didn't he mean didn't, to die. He didn't mean to die. But let's think about what he did. He made a man mm -hmm. after making the world's most complicated cookie Rube Goldberg machine. And he got a little heart cookie and he saw a robot that had scissors for hands that was cutting green onions. And he thought, well, I'll just make a man. So he makes a man. Which is insane. And then he gives the man gloves where hands would be. But beyond that, he permanently and intricately attaches 12 to 18 inch long blades in varying directions and of varying uses to all five fingers of both hands. Yes. So he had hands to start, and those were added on top because through the whole movie, you can see Edward's glove hands doing glove hand things. I have a theory. What is this theory? I don't think the inventor thought that he could, like, make, like, hands because he'd only ever made robots with like choppy knives so i think he was piecing i mean like when he was reading edward the story i um i think he was just piecing him together slowly as he was trying to like make this person because he'd only ever made like automatons basically okay but like you could have just not had the knives and just left him with gloves and then he would have just been a man. Or nubs. I said we could have just left him with nubs. I think that's actually worse than leaving him with scissors. At least with scissors, he can do stuff. Fair, but then he doesn't become a menace to society. Anyways, this is City Wave Cinema. Just <laughs> a two and a half minute intro. This, that's James. Yeah. I'm America. No. Yes? Yes. What? I don't know. And this is... We watched Edward Scissorhands. I already said this is City Wife Cinema. You threw off my whole groove. You threw off my groove. That's a different movie. Uh, it's a great movie. So, this is a movie about Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. Mm. Tim Burton doesn't know any other way. All his movies are Christmas adjacent, and therefore Christmas movies by definition. Sweeney Todd was not a Christmas movie. It, the, it snows body parts. Okay. Christmas. Um. He only knows one way to be. Corpse Bride, not a I Christmas movie. I haven't seen movie. that one. I can't say for certain. I'm sure I could James argue. James and the Giant Peach, James, not a uh, Christmas movie. Is there even snow at all? No. Yes, there is. When they go to the North Pole. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, do that interlude for no fucking reason. Sleepy Hollow. It's cold in England. It's for sure Christmas. It's not even in England. <laughs> it's it's cold in the wherever the fuck they are. The Northeast. Transylvania. They're not, no, that's not where Sleepy Somewhere else in Europe. It's not where Sleepy Hollow takes place. I don't know. The Headless Horseman is mythological in lots of places. Okay. Um. Anyways, this is the only Tim Burton movie that's good. James actually really enjoyed the movie. I, okay, don't. Don't stretch to say really. James enjoyed I a Tim Burton was, movie. I thought this was a good movie. For a Tim Burton movie, that's high praise from you. I have never once said another Tim Burton movie is a good movie. You like Sweeney Todd. Yes, I like Sweeney Todd. That doesn't make it a good movie. What about Sleepy Hollow? It's fine. I'm really upset that your favorite Tim Burton movie is my least favorite Tim Burton movie. Nightmare Before Christmas is a mediocre movie that has the cult following of a god. Yeah. It the plot of that movie is, is really, dumber than rocks. It's it's not it's, it's yeah. 
The plot to this movie is mostly confusing, but also it's so interesting and refreshing it's also, being that the movie's from 1990. To see a movie where conflict does not drive the movie for like an hour, and then it's only conflict, and then the movie's over. It's also really good social commentary. Oh, yeah. This was, listen, Tim Burton nailed this. Like, he really, really nailed this movie. He really did. This fe- this movie makes me have big feelings. America's big feelings about this movie are bad. She does not like this movie. She doesn't like anything about this movie. Except maybe that Johnny Depp's in it. I do like the, I think the makeup's good. I, I like everything that's not the story in this movie is excellent. I like the, I think the costuming's good. The makeup is phenomenal. The acting is wonderful. The cast is tremendous. The world building, the set, everything is great. And then we tell the story and then, and then I the kind of like, go why? a little homicidal. It's, a, it's towards the end. You I did great for the first half. I did. And then I, as I started recalling this movie, I just kept getting all the feelings came rushing back. And I was like, oh, I remember why I don't watch this one. <laughs> I've seen it like three times. And every time I'm like, this is why I don't watch this movie. It's why I've only seen, uh, and someday I want to make you watch it. But uh, I've only ever seen anger management one time. And that's because it made me need to go to anger management. <laughs> I was so, my mom was laughing her ass off and I was sitting there shaking with rage. I was so angry. So yeah, this movie gives me big feelings. All right, well, let's get into the weeds. All right. So you, you're, you're kind of on point lead on this we, one. So. We open to a title sequence reminiscent of the days of cinema gone by. In the 1980s. It's your required uh, Tim Burton. Where Tim Burton strokes his massive ego. Yeah, pretty much. And just jerks it to himself. But he did this before he did all his other great movies. So, you know, that's ego for you right there. Um, He knew he was a genius. Genius is only a word I might use to describe Tim Burton if you put mad in front of it or tormented or... Definitely uh, tormented. Incorrect. Or no, I, I like I think tormented. I think him and Stephen King have like the same kind of like genius where it's just like, no, no, no. Are you OK? I, I like Tim Burton's movies well before I would ever turn to a Stephen King movie and go, this is good. Well, Stephen King also doesn't make his movies. We have to. Consider That's true. His... And Stephen King doesn't even like his movies. He just likes his books. And Stephen King's books are dog shit. But he's like, eh, money. True, <laughs> he like, is. Anyways. A paycheck's a paycheck, I mean. <laughs> you're not wrong. We're really off the rails. So. Sorry. We, we open on ancient Winona Ryder, who, after the first part, I, I just assumed it was grandma, right? I was like, this is just an old lady. But at the end of the movie, when you really get some good close-ups on the grandmother, it's, I think it's Winona Ryder in makeup. I think it is. And it is some astoundingly good old lady makeup I, on Winona Ryder. I've never seen if if it is true, and it's not like a voice dub, which I'm. We can't find. I can't find a credited person as a grandmother in the credits, so I'm assuming it's Winona Ryder in makeup. And if so, like that is the best, like prosthetic and oh, it's so good makeup work I've seen for so an old good. person ever. Remarkable. Like, Anyways, at all. She is tucking her grandchild into bed. It's snowing outside. We don't know where we are yet. Later, we'll find out we're somewhere where there's palm trees. So assume Florida, the coastlines, California, somewhere. I mean, didn't you look it up? And it's an actual. It's an actual neighborhood in Florida that they just redressed. But yeah, it's it's they shot it in Florida. It gives me. It it always gave me California vibes, but that's how I picture. Like suburbia in California. Oh no, it's way more be. cookie cutter than that atrocity. I mean, it that's cookie cutter in a different way. It it, it gave me. You have a color palette. You have to prescribe. It gave me to. instant Florida vibes. But regardless, the the grandmother's tucking in uh granddaughter and talking about how where snow comes from, which is a really weird way to start this movie. Um, and from from there. We we basically flash back in time to the what is it? 
Where do we go first? Well, it starts with scissors. Oh, that's right. Hands? <laughs> no. Not scissor hands. Oh, fuck. I fucked it up. Damn it. It's you, hand scissors. God yeah, damn it. Not hand scissors. I'm all distracted and shit. Give me the fucking notes. Sorry, there was a really I cute... I know there's cute shit on the phone. I'll look at it in a minute. Okay. Um, oh, I forgot my own joke about the intro sequence because I didn't look at my notes. You, I kept, like, looking yeah, at your I phone was, and you I were not... I was just riffing, man. I, All right, so what we're, go through your notes. Uh, the intro sequence is great because I don't understand what the fuck I'm looking at. Um, it's revealed later, but on the intro, it's the cookie machine from the inventor and it's convoluted and doesn't make any sense. Uh, grandma's a pushover because mm -hmm. the kid goes, no, I'm not tired. Read me the story. And grandma goes, all right. But that's grandma for you. Grandmas are always pushovers. Um, we go to the neighborhood because we have to do the Avon sales walk. Mm -hmm. And I wrote the note that just says the neighborhood is aggressively Floridian. Uh, because maybe it's because I did briefly live in Southern California, but I've been to Florida enough. To be like, yeah, people here paint their houses god-awful colors. And a neighborhood of the same recurring uh, pastels, that's awful. I hate that with every fiber of my being. Which makes it all the better that it's a Tim Burton movie and the neighborhood's full of pastels. It's very... It's phenomenal. It's, like I said, the artistic direction of and like of the whole movie and the direct contrast and everything. It's just so well done. You know, if he had kept on going with this variety of artistic expression and hadn't just done mountains of cocaine, we probably would have better versions of his other movies. I mean, the only other thing that comes semi-close to this kind of like stark contrast moment is uh, Alice in Wonderland. That first one that he did, where because he made sure to make like Wonderland like Big pops color, blindingly bright, all yeah. this stuff, and then the human world is just drab, drab as hell, except for Alice, who has a blue dress. Yep. Um. So, first off, Joyce. <laughs> wow. What? What a neglected housewife incarnate. What a great role to play. That must, it, she had to have a blast. I'm sure she had a great time. She got to be crass and vulgar on the set of a relatively interesting movie. And her, she was the only one. No one else did anything remotely horny in the movie. It was just Joyce. And it was the only character trope. I think what's interesting too is if you look at every single wife, you get kind of every stereotypical like housewife like you get the very neglected horny housewife you get the, the overly religious housewife the uh like strung out mom which is the one with curlers in her hair at the beginning like you get every different level of housewife which i i i like it's 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 variety but without being like having variety it's 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 such a well done movie i hate it <laughs> Anyway, Peg, Peg is doing Avon sales door to door because she hasn't figured out it's a pyramid scheme yet. Um, and no one's biting. Uh, it's a terrible day in the door to door sales game. Uh, so then she, Peg takes off up towards the menacing mountain uh, and just the bravest of individuals heads up to the menacing house. Gotta on get the that hill bread. that's superimposed. Gotta get that bread. It's very Adam's family. It does give Adam's family vibes. Um, so she, she goes on up there and uh just decides to do a little bit of B and E. You alright? I have a sneeze that's stuck. Please continue. Alright. You were just making stank face, and I thought it was my opinions that were getting to you, but no, I guess not. So she's uh, she's doing a little bit of breaking and entering, which is, um, I don't know if that's like a strategy they teach you when you're selling Avon door to door, but I have never once had to deal with an aggressively pastelled housewife trying to get into my house to sell me Avon products. I mean, maybe I don't live in the right neighborhood, but it, that felt a bit strange. Um, there's also, the, the, the inventor's house has gone to neglect inside. 
The outside is very well kept. There's bushes and gardening, basically, that's all done by Edward because he can do that with his hands. Um, so Peg is moving around inside the house, and it's dusty and decrepit and kind of creepy and kind of full of strange fuckery. And she works her way up one of the most insane staircases that ever there was to find a stoved-in roof, which is the bedroom of one young Edward Scissorhands. Uh, Scissorhands not being his real last name. He doesn't have a last name. No. Um, which is sad. It's, yeah. He's also not a man. <laughs> he's a, he's a, a strange automaton. More or less. I mean, we don't really know what he's made of, he but is, he bleeds. He's made of insides, leather, bladed weaponry, and a face. And also hair that can grow. And also blood. It's very confusing. We really yada yada through how we got to this point. We just kick off from this point and don't stop. Which helps because I didn't think to ask the question until right now. How did he make Edward? Because that's something in a modern day movie where they would give you time to contemplate as an audience member. And I think that's bad. You shouldn't have time to contemplate that because the story isn't about how did he make Edward. The story is about how everyone's fucking awful to Edward all the time. So the story's about the story's about how Tim Burton was bullied as a child. The story's about how humans suck. The story's about how Tim Burton was bullied as a child. It Same is, thing. It it is that, but um, this is also Johnny Depp's first like weird character, mm -hmm. and he never goes back. To like a normal character. He's just permanently odd. Uh, and I'm not complaining. Listen, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's something that I was taught in acting school is like, if you find your niche and you can market that niche. Live in it. Do it. Live in it. That's why Jim Carrey plays a lot of. The same slapstick comedians. Yep. And Johnny Depp's been weird. And Helena Bonham Carter has been insane. Like and Christina Ricci's been creepy. Yeah, you, once you find your little niche and you can sell it and market it and you're making money. Carry on. Go for it. Uh, so we find out that uh, Edward's parent is the inventor and he died. Uh, and Edward reveals this fact by saying he didn't wake up, which is a horrible sentence. Just loaded with trauma. He didn't wake up. He and has... he says it in his very timid, like, young Johnny Depp voice, which is just, like, very unnerving. To hear it's very scary and sad. He has like the mentality of basically like at max like a four year old. Yeah, the vocabulary of an adult, but the the mental capacity of a very young child. Uh, so Peg makes the executive decision to bring Edward home and take care of him forever, uh, which is a decision that was made without one ounce of thought or sense. But it's a very sweet and beautiful decision. Like, she saw this creature that, which he is, he's not technically human, and was like, I'm going to love it, no matter what. And I just, more people should be like her. Absolutely. But then you realize, oh, people aren't like her. People are like the neighborhood bitches. Yeah, that's the problem. I refer to them as the HOA of bitches later. They kind of are. You know they're all, their husbands are all on... The HOA Their husbands all go golfing to drink. We watch it happen, literally. I know. In like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so there, she's driving back to her house um, and she's got Edward in the car and he doesn't know things like how big his body is or anything. Um, windows. No, he doesn't know windows, doesn't know how long his hands are. Uh, not that he ever really needed to, but... He's coming to grips with everything, and honestly, he gets along pretty well, frankly. Uh, and the housewives all see through their windows and shit that Peg's got this guy in the car, and they're like, what the fuck is that? I couldn't get a good look at him. I couldn't get a good look at him. I couldn't get a good look at him. And thus, the Neighborhood Bitch Association was born. And I think, honestly, 
most HOAs in the world were modeled off of this varietal of human. Um, I don't know if I've talked about it on this show before, but I, I think HOAs are one of the most sinister ways that a company can make money because they don't do anything really i mean like like really they don't they don't do anything that's actually good or helpful oh but you know what they do pretty well stealing they're very good at stealing um and convincing you oh they're like the united states government they're very good at stealing and convincing you that it's for your benefit. Very good at that. My parents, all in on HOAs because it keeps the value of your house up. Fuck off. I don't... Well, don't you want to make sure your neighbors don't leave their car in their lawn? Fuck. I have more important things to worry about. And worry about if I can afford groceries next week. Fuck off. I don't give a rat's ass about the fucking neighbors. I don't know any I of like our my neighbors. Shit. I don't know any of our neighbors. I've never spoken to a single one of them. I've spoken to at least three. So, anyways, the neighborhood bitches in this most atrocious neighborhood uh, immediately start the gossip train. And it's just going to be like that's what they do for the rest of the movie. Um, and anytime you think, oh, they might turn a leaf and not be bitches... They walk that back immediately and revert directly to being bitches. Um, and it's not just because it's a group of mostly women. Just the behavior should be attributed to the word bitch. Front to back. Uh, now, Edward is given a tour of the house, basically, uh, where he is confronted with new and interesting things to him. Uh, in his life, such as pictures um, and beds. Uh, Specifically water beds. And phones and also clothes. Um, and he he does honestly a pretty good job handling most everything, except the water bed, which he pokes a hole in. Uh, and that will not be addressed ever again. Until it's addressed again later. It won't be ever addressed again until well, no, it the, is. The first, the first instance of him poking a hole in the waterbed is not addressed at all. And isn't addressed ever again. He does poke holes in the waterbed again later. For different reasons. I don't know why we thought... put. We should have put him on the couch downstairs to begin with. Oh, yeah. Because I don't know why we thought putting the guy with giant knives for hands that clearly has issues like controlling them based on his face um, in a bed that... Explodes. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, but Peg doesn't do anything in the movie that makes sense. She acts purely on emotion, and that's admirable in some cases, and very dumb in others. Um, so... Finally, uh... He, he manages to get dressed in some clothes, uh, almost all the way. He, he takes great effort not to cut anything and then accidentally cuts the suspenders, which we hold together with safety pins for the rest of the movie because that's a very Tim Burton-y look. I also like that we only gave him one outfit. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like he gets it dirty ever. That just slowly, like, degrades over time, which is a really cool... That's again, smart. it's a cool film choice. So, uh, then Alan Arkin comes home. He's the dad. What's his name? Jim, because it's Jim and no, Kim. No, 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 no. Jim is the boyfriend. Oh. Jim's the boyfriend who's a douchebag. It's, uh, 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 their last name is Boggs. It's, it's something else that starts with a B. I'll look it up. Maybe okay. it's Bob. Uh, it might be Bob. So, the husband comes home, and so does the son, and they're all just sort of hanging out and not addressing the elephant that is Edward in the room, uh, and all credit to... The father figure here, he just treats Edward like a person. Which is, like, better than anyone else will do for the rest of the movie. No one else treats him like a person. People commodify him immediately. It's disgusting, honestly. Bill. Bill! Bill Boggs! That's right, it's Bill. Um, Bill and Peg. That's correct. Yes. So, 
you know, they, he's just trying to have a conversation with him, and Edward's having a hard time eating. And the, uh, something that is not really talked about in my brain, because I don't ever read fucking media about this movie, it's 30-plus years old, um, is Johnny Depp puts on such a performance in terms of his physical acting. Because Edward doesn't really have dialogue. He doesn't really talk all that much. I think he has like, he has like maybe 50 lines in the whole movie. Uh, and Johnny Depp spends the majority of his screen time emoting with his body language. And he does a really, really good job. It is just a really, really good performance. So there's that for you. Uh, when he's not talking, which is most of the time, you still know what's up with him. Hard thing to do. Actors nowadays have a really hard time doing that. It's also amazing because a lot of the time he has, like, which was probably a choice by Tim Burton and Johnny, like, this, like, wide-eyed stare. Like, he doesn't blink a lot, and his eyes are constantly, like, Meh. So, but to still get that amount of, like, expression and emotion without huge amounts of like emoting is it's it's well done it's you, you so know who good. else should get credit for that who danny elfman a movie's moments are nothing without a score that's true the danny elfman's also a genius which i already talked about tonight with you but not on podcast but we all know my feelings about danny elfman from previous timber i love danny elfman carry on uh, so we, we move to the backyard the following morning, uh, Bill, 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 Bill's trip. Oh, I forgot how to words. Bill is trimming his hedges. Uh, son, Kevin is up in the tree house, uh, listening to a baseball game on the radio. Uh, and Edward finds another hedge, uh, and begins trimming it with his hands. Uh, resulting in a dinosaur because what he knows is art and making tree hedges into art. I mean, in another direct comparison to t Tim Burton himself, like he is like, he's an artist. Like that's his whole shtick is he's just a misunderstood artist. It's a movie about Tim Burton, if we're being honest. Um, and uh, Edward's just so very proud of his dinosaur. And Bill's like, well, goddamn, look at that. That's pretty sweet there, Ed. And, it, you know, everyone's just so nice all the time. And it's, I, I talked about it a little already, but it's just such a good change of pace to see a movie where the framework isn't exactly the same as every other movie. You don't get a conflict in the movie until more than halfway through. And if you were to sit down and really objectively, like, parse through movies that you've watched in recent history, anything from, like, 2010 on is, like, the movie starts, you meet everyone that's going to be in it, and then there's a conflict so the plot can progress. And then there's another conflict near the end of the movie, and then that's all resolved, and the movie's over. That's your generic framework for the movie. And it's fine. That's a fine story structure. But when you tell it every movie, it gets really fucking boring. And this movie simply does not. This movie starts, you meet the characters who are going to be in it, and then you step on the gas with the characters and do not run into a speed bump. You just go. You cruise. You have a nice time. And you're a little paranoid the whole time that something's going to go wrong, and yet nothing does. And it's honestly really nice. And you you see around the edges little stuff that might come into play later, and it's like, oh, this could turn out bad for us. Every time you interact with Jim the boyfriend, Anthony Michael Hall's bully role, uh, or, or uh, Joyce the whore, or really any of the housewives. But if you think about it, they're like this from the beginning of the movie, but the housewives really feel more like a nuisance than they do antagonists until they become antagonists. And that doesn't happen for quite some time. So it's just a very fun movie structure to have where the plot happens 
with no conflict to kick it off. It really does like subvert expectations because you would think you would think the end of the movie, how people react to Edward would be the entire movie. Right. You think it would be this overcoming of stereotypes and showing that he's just a person and him having to like overcome that. But instead, everyone just accepts him like immediately, instantly with little to no questions. Yeah, it's. I don't know, and maybe there's some world building that never made it into the final cut of the movie where they, like, the the whole neighborhood is in on the understanding that, oh, we don't go near the weird inventor's house, and they just, like, know that that's a thing, but that's never noted, it's never stated, and honestly, I really enjoyed the fact that there just wasn't any out-the-gate conflict. We just watch so many movies nowadays where inside your first 30 minutes, the first major plot point gets fulfilled via a question or a conflict that asks a question. And in this movie, you don't. The plot is kicked off by just committing to a bit and not stopping. Oh, we're we're just going to be friendly and accepting. And the family does not stop doing that the whole time. Even when it gets hard, they don't stop doing that. It's really remarkable, honestly. Tim Burton does a really good job. I'm telling you, this is the best Tim Burton movie that I've seen. I haven't seen Corpse Bride yet. I could be or Frankenweenie. That's his, right? I could be proven wrong about either of those movies, but I doubt not saying I like Tim Burton. This is just the best of his works. Um, the neighbors uh, invite themselves over for a barbecue to meet the strange man that they have observed in and around the house. It's been 24 hours. Yeah. And uh, that's fucking rude. Yeah. A concept that you would not have been able to easily explain to 10-year-old James is that inviting yourself to someone's house is frowned upon and should not be done. I didn't have social graces when I was 10. It's also very much like a different time and yeah, a different culture. Yeah. Like, now that would not... I can't, I can't go to someone's house without, like, having several confirmation texts... Like, that this is the time, this is the day. Are you home right now? Like, am I good to come over? We're at the point in culture where we don't go up to people's doors to let them know we're at their house. We text people when we're there. Yeah. Except our friends who came over last night who just walked to the front door, looked into the front door window and said, Hi, let me in! Is that what happened? That's what, yeah, that's what Monica did last night. <laughs> she said, I want to see your dog! Uh, we love him. Anyways. Uh, they, they just maintain this air of being nosy monsters and Peg does nothing really to dissuade them. Um, but also doesn't really cave to them ever again beyond this moment. Uh, so, oh, pardon me. We just have a barbecue and everyone sort of gets along great with Ed. They're all, like, appreciative of his existence. They don't judge him too harshly. They're making, like, jokes here and there, but they're, like... They're jokes that, like, people who have been around people would understand. They're also, like, laugh-with-you jokes, not, like, at-you jokes. Like, they're like, hey, you want to come to our card game? You just can't cut out of... Like, it's, like, just normal human interactions. Yeah, it... The, the, Except Joyce. The neighborhood humans are pretty consistently just doofuses. Um, oh, I did also breeze past the moment where Esmeralda, which is the credited name of the hyper-religious wife, literally rolls into the backyard after Edward is done trimming a tree and calls him basically the spawn of Satan. Um, and honestly... This is a step back for the movie in terms of movie. 
because it's out of place. It doesn't track and it's weird. However, understanding that this movie is an allegory for one young Timothy Burton, it so makes sense that there would be one hopped up psycho religious person who's like, oh, that guy's the devil. Because Tim's weird. And Edward's weird. And they're wrong, obviously. But, ooh, is it on the nose? I also like that she herself is a bit of an outcast from the other... Yeah, they very specifically... Peg doesn't go to her house to sell her Avon. No one else talks to her. No one else calls her. She's definitely an outcast in the neighborhood, but ostracized because she's crazy. It's like two sides of the same coin, like her and Edward, but like... Edward's a child. Yes. So it, you know, that's... I, I only say it takes a step back in terms of a movie because you have a really strong rhythm and a consistent theme going in the movie. And every time the hyper-religious zealot is on screen, it fucks up that rhythm. It's very jarring. It doesn't translate the same as everything else. And I don't think it should not be in the movie. But it doesn't read the same as everything else. And so it makes it a little difficult to just let it happen. Every time you see it, you're like, oh, oh. It's like every time Jim's on screen. And I would just reactionarily say, this fucking guy. Wait, that's a that's a real thing that happened. Every time Jim was on screen, I just went, nah, this fucking guy. Every time. Uh, buh, 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 we're at the barbecue. They force feed the man, which feels very reminiscent. It's not reminiscent because this movie came out first, but it feels very akin to the scene in Dr. Seuss's The Grinch Stole Christmas. I was thinking Where they're that. like force feeding the fucking... <laughs> Grinch all the puddings and shit. Edward handles it fun. much better. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's just like, uh-huh, yeah, this is good. This is delicious. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it... Yeah. It's so good. And then we finally get a, a little flashback to uh, Vincent Price's inventor uh, doing his little cookie machine and doing some acting on screen uh, and showcasing how he's going to make a man. And while Vincent Price was very sick when they were filming this movie. I just read how sick he, he was. He was so sick. He was like dying. I. He was I, like actively dying. Yeah, his scenes were supposed to be more, but he was so ill, they cut some of his stuff. So that he didn't have to like suffer. Yeah, but like Johnny Depp really wanted, he, he wrote the role for him. Or not Johnny Depp, Tim Burton. Tim Burton wrote the role for Vincent Price. And it, so it was like his role to play. And I just, I, it's like when I found out Maggie Smith did all of like Deathly Hollows while she was doing chemo and breast cancer. And I was just like, damn. It's a bad motherfucker. Damn. Yeah, Vincent Price puts on a, a really good sort of like means well, but is kind of dumb inventor. And uh, it's, it's. Really pleasant. He also doesn't have very many lines of dialogue, uh, but he puts on a show. His cookie machine upsets me. Yeah, it's not right. It, It's really cool. It's one of those, like, in a movie, I said this when we were watching it, but in a movie that pays, like, such attention to detail, and there was so much care and effort taken into, like, every single little corner, the cookie machine, none of those cookies would come out nope. like that. Nope. The, the 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 cookie cutters were going on top of each other and and they weren't even on the dough sometimes and the dough wasn't rolled out and it was a heh. listen okay. in terms of the things that are wrong with this movie that is certainly one but it is of almost no consequence yeah it really doesn't matter but every time I watch that scene it's just like my brain twitches because it's just like that it, it's, it's not, not right it, it wouldn't nope that cookie cutter went on top of the first cookie it's fine. So, have we established exactly why Joyce is so goddamn horny all the time? 
Uh, we assume it's that her husband just doesn't fuck her. But. I mean, the only thing that we get is that first line at the beginning where she's like, um... Imagine what those hands could do. No, it's when she's talking to the the repair guy. Oh, yeah, and she's trying to fuck him. And she's like, uh, it's a lonely life being a housewife. Um, you'd know that, but they don't make commercials about that because they make commercials about how hard, like... Handyman and, work? Yeah, and how lonely handyman's work is, but... They don't do that about housewives, so how would you know? So that's it, that's the only God. hint that we get is that basically Joyce just has too much goddamn time on her hands and is not getting laid nearly enough. And even if her husband did give her some, I don't think I don't she wants she it would from have him. A nice time. Yeah. So eh. they also they do a good job in this movie on the second cutaway where they He's reading, like, books of ethics and how to behave in social situations, as well as poetry to uh, Edward. They they do a really good job of the concept of the created man. And, like, it's a take on Frankenstein, but if things didn't go bad. I mean, kind of. Imagine if... I'm just saying the things didn't go bad. Oh, I, this goes bad, but it's not at the hands of the inventor or that Igor. That is true. It's not... It's Things not go the, bad because the motherfucker dies. Yeah. Listen, he, Edward, would have been a fully functioning, completely coherent and useful member of society had the inventor, A, not died immediately upon showing Edward hands, and B... Had the inventor lived long enough to do a couple more lessons, Edward would have basically been a socialized person. He would have just been a guy. Or if the inventor had maybe just given him hands to begin with. Yeah, that might have also helped. But, like, the the fault in Edward is not anyone fucking it up intentionally. That is true. Or making a silly mistake. It's literally the cost of time. That causes Edward to be like this. So it's... The, they do a really good job on the concept of a created man. And I like it. It's good. Uh, and then the youths get home from their camping trip. Uh, and I hate teenagers. America's so fucking old. America's an old person. I've... Right now. No. Actively. No. No. I'm not. And you want to know why? Because I've never fucking liked teenagers. I didn't like teenagers when I was one. I didn't like them when I was younger than them. I didn't like them when I was in college. I don't fucking like them now. Teenagers fucking suck. They're assholes. They're rude. They have too many fucking hormones to make their brains function properly. And I'm realizing that a lot of this is coming is because I was due to my spicy brain and also being a very early bloomer. I was just developmentally more mature than teenagers even when I was one, and I am realizing things about myself now, and I'm going to be really quiet. <laughs> I hate teenagers. They suck. They're dumb. They make stupid choices. They are bad. Okay. Not to alienate anyone in the audience, uh, but America has a bit of a distaste for people who aren't quite all the way there developmentally. Um... No, I don't. Okay, that's... No, okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. Teenagers aren't done yet. They're not done cooking. That, but I... All I, teenagers make the same mistakes. Yeah, but it's not all people that are developmentally not done no, cooking. No, but you were very specifically referring to they make dumb choices. Yes. Because they're not done cooking. But middle schoolers are fine. I like middle schoolers. They haven't started cooking. Mm. <laughs> Listen, the hormones kick in. Ten... 11 years old, that's when the cooking starts. And it doesn't stop until 28. <laughs> so the cooking starts when they're in middle school. Oh, fuck. I don't know how kids work. <laughs> you should figure that out soon. I'm working on it, all right? <laughs> Let's talk about the fucking movie and not your vehement hatred of not real teenagers. It was on topic! The youths showed up and then everything went to shit! It's only one youth's fault. Uh, I, Kim... Is not completely well, Kim's a big innocent baby. here. Kim's a big baby. She's just a big baby. And Jim's a 
dick. And Jim's friend is also not completely innocent here. He almost killed a child. Yeah, but he, driving also, drunk. he also got threatened to drive drunk. He didn't want to. He said, no, I don't want to do this. And then his friend was like, I'll fucking kill you. Jim is the bad guy. The housewives are nuisancey. And also the main antagonist. Jim is the fucking bad guy. And he's like 24. What, how old Winona Ryder looks like a teenager. Anthony Michael Hall looks like a man. Aren't they supposed to be like 16? Uh-huh. This is the beginning of the time when we start using adults as children on a permanent basis. I don't think it was the beginning of the time because Judy Garland is supposed to play a child in Wizard of Oz. Judy Garland looks like a child. She looks like a lady. And she's supposed to play like a 10-year-old. Like Dorothy Gale. Oh, it's been a long time since I watched The Wizard of Oz. I don't know if I can refute you on that. Dorothy Gale is like supposed to be like a literal child. Not like a teenager. Not really? Like, yeah. I thought she was supposed to be like 16. No, she oh, is shit. like a literal child. Then, and you want, it makes even more sense because originally they wanted Shirley Temple to play Dorothy. That would have made more sense. It, and if you read the book or if you see any other adaptation. Yeah, but then Shirley Temple would have died of asbestos. Probably. Um, any other adaptation of Wizard of Oz, like that weird trippy one that's from like the 90s where it's. Return to Oz or whatever. Um, she's an actual child there. She's supposed to be like a literal like 10 year old. All right. So the youths get back in their flame van. Um, and we immediately get a big old heaping helping mouthful of what a fucking dick Jim is. Uh, as he's very like manhandly with uh, Kim and it's just being an all around douchebag. And America pointed this out while we were watching it, and I I saw it, but I didn't really care much at the time. The more I thought about it, though, the more I was like, oh, that's a good acting by Anthony Michael Hall. He looks at her like she is meat. Mm-hmm. Like, that is prey. Ooh. Great acting. Good direction. Great acting. Um, it would appear that this series of calamities, um, that are about to occur in the movie are directly because the parents, Peg and Bill, do not properly execute a return home from the camping trip. There is also not really a clear time when they were supposed to get back from the camping trip, so maybe they could be forgiven for it. But Kim comes home, goes to her room, which is where they've been keeping Edward. They give him the bed in there. It's all fine. And uh, Edward's just awake in there because he doesn't really sleep, as far as I can tell. And he's just laying there awake. And she comes in and, like, takes off outer clothes. And she's in, like, a T-shirt and is, like, checking her face in the mirror and all that and sees Edward in the reflection in her bed and freaks out, which, you know, understandably, understandably. Uh, and then he freaks out and pokes a million holes in the waterbed. Again, all understandable. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all tracking, right? And she's screaming and then the whole family's awake and it's all this calamity and Bill fucking crabs Edward and is like, just, just come on, just don't worry about that. You just come on. And the parents, they, they do a really great job tag-teaming a situation. Um, I will say, in my opinion, uh-huh. they're some of, like, the best parents I've ever seen on screen. Like, they're just genuinely good parents. Uh, they, they also kind of like each other, too. Yeah. Which is, like, a marvel. You know how many dads in 90s and early 2000s cinema are just colossal fans? fuck-ups and then you have bill boggs who is just sort of great i wouldn't he, go great i'd say they're good parents he's i mean he's acceptable he doesn't do anything out he doesn't do anything wrong he's not stupid he doesn't make any stupid mistakes he fully takes in edward and takes care of them like his wife makes an executive decision and he's like okay we'll do this now 
Uh, it's fine. He's a great guy. Okay, great's a stretch. He's good. He's good. He's a good guy. Um, and he takes him downstairs, and we'll probably wrap about halfway here because things really kick off after this. Uh, he takes him downstairs, and he's talking about the horrors of raising a teenage girl like he's a fucking combat veteran in the Vietnamese War on Hormones. They get glands. They get glands. And man, oh man, it's just so funny to watch Alan Arkin literally just like have flashbacks to the war. <laughs> He's just like, uh, uh. And he pours a whiskey for him and for Edward. And then he gets Edward a straw. And Edward's sucking down whiskey with the straw. And he Which some... the dad refers to as lemonade. Yes, he specifically calls it lemonade. Uh, and Edward just goes, To be fair, that's what I do when I drink whiskey straight, so. <laughs> and Bill goes, it's good, isn't it? Because that's a dad thing to say. Uh, and then they both get fucked up off of what we see to be one glass of whiskey. I, I have a feeling there was more. Oh, probably. There wasn't a lot of time. There was not a lot of time. But they, yeah, because the dad's over there like. Oh, yeah, he's just completely zonked. And and so the mom brings down uh, Kim to meet Edward officially, and they have a little introduction, and Edward's just like, he's red eyes, and he's just like, and he falls over. And Bill's just sat there, face in one hand, unmoving for the entire interaction. It's really good comedy. It's just really good comedy. I'm I'm so pleasantly surprised at how good this movie was for me in a world where also James and the Giant Peach exists. <laughs> and that was fucked up front to back. And in no way comparable to this movie. The only reason they could be comparable is because the director is the same. But I think the director... And the scores. And the scores kind of the same. This, this, you can't parallel James and the Giant Peach, the nightmare on film, to this movie, which is fine. It's an astounding array of work. Where on the one hand, you have a perfectly palatable Edward Scissorhands movie. And on the other hand, you have a deranged drug binge through animation and you know what it is it's the stop motion movies it's it's tim burton's obsession with stop motion that fucks it all up for me where do you put beetlejuice in that beetlejuice is bad because it's perverts so is it, is it closer to the beetlejuice is rapey is it closer to james and the giant peach yes it is closer okay. to james and the giant peach and you know what there's also that horrifying animation stop motion sequence with the sandworm in Beetlejuice, there's a direct one-to-one -one correlation between movies that Tim Burton does in real life and movies Tim Burton does in Claymation, and the ones in Claymation is all fucked up in all kinds of ways. There you have it. Don and Dustin, moving on. 